0: I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm so thankful. I love getting to be with you each and every single weekend. It's a joy. Uh, As the Apostle Paul said, you're the crown of my joy. That's the way I feel about each and every one of you. I am so thankful that you could come and worship with us this morning. And it brings me great joy, and I know it brings him great joy. So we welcome you, and thank you. Uh, You know, just a couple just things I just want to add. Uh, If you've never been a part of the Christmas play, you know, so when we first launched our Christmas productions, I had no idea that it would feel like Broadway, like a Broadway experience. These are some of the finest actors and actresses right here at High Point Church, some of the most talented, gifted musicians, and uh, you won't want to miss the Christmas production. But on top of that, we want to encourage you, if you've never been a part of something like that, Uh, I would I'd highly recommend it. Uh, Feel free to just come to the tryouts today and next week as well and I know that you'll be blessed with being able to gain some new healthy fun friendships with each other as well. So you know also I want to add uh, just today is Grandparents Day so if you are a grandparent would you just please stand to your feet for a moment so we can acknowledge you and appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness what a blessing. So grateful for all of you. You guys, you can't be grandparents yet. You sit down. I'll just get it way too young. I love it. I love it. So, again, you guys are such a blessing. Also, you know, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge one more group of people. Uh, you know, yesterday's always kind of a sobering day for Americans in general uh, because of 9 11. And, uh, you know, I just, I just so appreciate the freedom that we have in our nation, the protection that we have in our nation, um, all the men and women that have fought so bravely to protect this nation. So if you are a veteran or in armed services, would you please just stand to your feet for a moment so we just acknowledge each and every one of you as well. We so appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of all of our hearts, we appreciate and love every one of you. So grateful for all of you. You know I am so excited to be able to get into the message, but before we do, you know I shared some good, fun, healthy questions and and um, some good, clean humor as always uh, uh, with all of our golfers last week. So I thought I better bring some, at least some, some fun for our. Football fans. So, do we have any football fans in the house? I saw some of them wearing jerseys this morning. So, all right, so here's my question Where do football players get their uniforms? New Jersey. That's right, New Jersey. All right, what are successful kickers always trying to do? Reach goals, of course. (laughs) All right, what did the receiver say to the football? Catch you later. And Why didn't the dog want to play football? It was a boxer, of course, right? All right, I know, I know. Come on, give it up for Jesus at least. One more thing I just want to share with you, real briefly, as we get into our message. So many of you know that we do something great every single weekend with the Lord and His presence here in this church, this sanctuary, those that are watching online. And every single Sunday, we see people come to Christ, and all throughout the week, people are watching our podcast and listening to our messages, and people's lives are being changed and impacted. We're reaching people changing lives every single week, and we're so grateful for all the love and support. A lot of things that you don't know that we do, which is a big part of our heart, is supporting missions around the world. And so we support missionaries' missions, and, uh, and I just like to bring updates to you from time to time, as you know, we support a missions group last week, I think it was or the week before, Amy mentioned a missions group that we support that goes into the 1040 window, isolated islands and areas that the gospel of Christ has literally never been to yet. And they risk their lives going into these areas uh, to share Christ with them, and we're able to support them and we see hundreds of people come to Christ, many healings and miracles and signs following the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, every single month we are impacting literally the world as a support with all of your help and support. also we have a ministry of, called Going into all the world of ministries, this is a ministry that I actually, the couple I used to work with uh, when they served Mr. and Mrs. Copeland when I was there, uh, they served Mr. and Mrs. Copeland as well. And but when we launched out for ministry, they launched out and they went into Guatemala to start basically an, for lack of better words, an orphanage. Um, so they started adopting all these kids that would not have a home otherwise, taking in children. Uh, from various reasons uh, that just would not have a mom or dad in their life. And they played that role and, and have built a great orphanage there and have done a tremendous, tremendous job being a mom and dad to all these precious little kids uh, over the years. Now, this last month, they received new ba- three new babies, and this is their heart for all of you to be praying in agreement uh, with them that two of them are overcoming medical conditions, situations. So we want your faith out there believing for a miraculous turnaround in those two additional babies uh, out of the three that came into the new into their home. They're also uh, preparing for the House of Destiny uh, in the month of November. So their, their goal is to continue to build up so they can add more into the orphanage. So just be stretching out your faith, but you are making a significant difference. We so appreciate all of your love and support. Now today we wanna talk about grace unhindered. We wanna continue our series on grace unhindered. Last week, we kinda closed up with placing an emphasis on that it's not so much, your faith is not so much the problem here. The problem is the doubt and unbelief that we all deal with from time to time. Now, when the Lord had said to me about a week or two weeks ago now, that doubt and unbelief hinder his grace from flowing, that meant it's my responsibility to come and help equip the saints to help snuff out, starve doubt and unbelief so grace is not hindered in each and every one of your lives. So we're going to continue that message uh, this week. So in Matthew chapter 17, where we kind of kick things off with the heartbeat of this little boy who had demonic. Sp- a demonic spirit, he was convulsing him, he was having all these different things going on in his body. The father brought this little boy to the disciples. The disciples struggle with this one. They're not able to cast a demon out of this little boy and they're frustrated. So the father brings the little boy to Jesus, and Jesus just miraculously does what he knows to do, and he brings great deliverance, casts the demon out, heals the little boy. Now the disciples are inquiring. They've got inquiring minds like, okay, why did this not work for us? Now the reason why they're curious about it is because they had been casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. Blind eyes were being opened. Deaf ears were being opened. Signs, wonders, and miracles were flowing freely. So now at this point, they're kind of frustrated. Like, why did it not work for us? And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17, 20 through 21, that it has to do with unbelief. He said it's because of unbelief. He did not place the emphasis on faith. As some translations may say, like the nearly uh, inspired version, uh, it says because of your faith. That's not true. The context of this message will actually lay this out. And that's why it's good to dig into the Word of God more than just assuming that every translation is inspired at all times. So we can dig deeper into the Word of God and find out. But Jesus lays it out pretty simple, surface level, and he explains that, listen, even if you have just a little bit of tiny faith, mustard seed-sized faith, you can move mountains. So he's saying this isn't the issue. Your faith is not the issue. In fact, when you are born again, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when Christ comes into your life, the Bible says that God gives you the measure of Faith, his own faith. So when you receive Christ into your life, you have been blessed. You have been given the measure of God's faith. So God has given you even his own faith to work with. So it's not so much faith is the problem. It's the doubt and unbelief that stop grace from flowing freely. Jesus gives us an illustration of how this can, you can overcome doubt and unbelief, and he talks about fasting and prayer, and we talked a little about several different ways actually last week of how we can overcome doubt and unbelief. Now, I want to expound on that today because there are other techniques that God gives us from his word that help us to starve doubt and unbelief. Because when you're in a situation and we need to see a fuller side of the story because in Mark chapter 9, this same story is laid out. So we see it in Matthew chapter 17, but we also see it in Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, we can see a little bit more of a glimpse of why these people, why these disciples may have struggled with doubt and unbelief. This technique of the enemy is not uncommon in any one of our lives. And I want to share this with you because the one thing I know about the enemy, and he's got no tricks new under the sun, he's, what he's been doing for thousands of years, he's still doing today. When that demon, when the, when the child was brought to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 17, but also in Mark chapter 9, you'll see what happens is this little boy drops to the ground. The demon begins to convulse. He begins to manifest even in the presence of Jesus. Now, Jesus makes an interesting statement. He questions. He says, how long has this been happening to him? Now, the father right there and then says, well, this has been going on since he's been a little boy, but if you can do anything. Now, watch this. He shifts the responsibility. He shifts it on to Jesus. How many know that even God's people, Christians, are experts at putting the responsibility back on God? But Jesus doesn't take that. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. And I'm paraphrasing him on this. He said, whether I can do anything or not, that's not really the issue. What's going on is whether you believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Now the man begins to cry and he says these words, Lord, I believe, and he's honest and transparent now at this moment, help my unbelief. I believe that every one of us can relate with this man. I believe every time, every, every one of us at some point in our life, we have dealt with unbelief and doubt because of something that's been going on. And, and the reason Jesus asked that question, I really have to believe that this has something to do with he wanted to know, how long has this been tolerated? Because if you've been born and raised with having allergies, you know what happens mentally, emotionally, physically? Oftentimes people just accept it as a normal case. They just accept it. It's just part of their life. It's who they are. It's what they'll always have. Financial poverty or any of the other parts of the curse. That's anything under the curse. Sometimes people are born into something and they just accept it. So Jesus asked that question, how long has this actually been going on? Because he wants to know, I believe, how deep is this? How big of a problem is this? What am I dealing with here? And Jesus, of course, knows that he's dealing with unbelief and he just needs to bring this to the surface. Now, I want us to see something right here because there's something about the power of unity that I want to address today. The reason that the disciples, I believe, struggled with casting the demon out of this little boy is because when that young little boy was brought to Jesus, the demon began to manifest. Now, watch what happens right after that. Jesus, again, he cast the demon out of the boy... But before the demon left, and this is after Jesus commanded the demon to go from the little boy, the Bible says the demon threw him on the ground and convulsed greatly. This is after Jesus rebuked the demon. Every single time you're in the process of using your faith. And there's a great, and this is what I love what Jesus said to me one time. He said, the greatest amount of resistance Pressure from the enemy comes right before your greatest miracle and breakthrough. And Jesus is not moved in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He chose to walk by faith and not by sight. The disciples, I believe, when the demon began to manifest, after they rebuked the demon, tried to cast the demon out, I believe that the demon began to manifest. I believe that in every one of our lives, if we're totally transparent, every time we've used our faith to move a mountain in our life, whether it's a relationship challenge, a financial challenge, a health challenge, and we go to God and we say, God, I believe. Now the enemy goes to work to get you back into the natural zone, the natural, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you think, basically what you taste. The five physical senses He tries to get you back into the sense realm because he knows if he can get you out of faith back into the sense realm, he can whip you every single time. But if you choose to walk by faith and not by sight and you stay in the faith zone, you whip Satan every single time because he cannot defeat faith. Faith is what overcomes this world. Faith is what moves mountains, Jesus said. Faith is what pleases God. That even when you're in a situation and you used your faith for something, you prayed a prayer and it looks like now all of a sudden that relationship got worse or that financial problem got worse or that health challenge got worse. Now you have a choice. Are you going to entertain doubt and unbelief or are you going to starve doubt and unbelief and feed your faith? To believe at this very moment that when the demons and the situation seems to get worse, that you can rejoice at that moment because you know the devil is now being flushed out of that situation. Can I hear an amen? amen? So instead of next time you see a situation start to get worse, And you've used your faith and you prayed a prayer and you believed that you removed that mountain that Jesus said you can do when you speak to those mountains in your life. And I don't care what it is and I don't care how big it is and I don't care how intimidating it is. When you use your faith, Jesus said even just a small size of faith can move mountains in your life. If it begins to manifest and begin to shake and begin to try and intimidate you, trying to get you back into the natural zone. That's the moment that we've got to shout the loudest and praise the loudest because you know that you've just flushed the devil out of the situation. I believe that's why the disciples were intimidated is because the demon began to manifest after they used their faith. Where prior to that, they just didn't do that. And that's why Jesus said you've got to fast and pray because you've got to make sure that you're starving doubt and unbelief because the enemy will always try to manifest. He will always put on the greatest amount of pressure, resistance. I don't care if it's marriage that we're talking about. I don't care if it's health issues. I don't care if it's financial issues. He will always, 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 always try to manifest the greatest when you've just used your faith. Now, there may be some exceptions to that. Sometimes you've used your faith, and I believe that's why the disciples were shocked and surprised by this, because they were like, man, we've been casting out demons, we've been doing all this. Why did this not work? The enemy is great, and I don't try to give him any publicity from this pulpit, but he is great at deceiving people. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says that he will deceive literally the nations, and one day we're going to see him face to face, and we're going to say, you mean he? deceive the nations? All he has is fear. All he has is lies. That's all he does is try to deceive you to get you back into the natural zone, because if he can get you out of faith, he can whip you, church. But if you stay in faith and you choose to walk by faith and not by sight and feed your faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and you sit there and inspire in your faith and strengthen your faith, even if that mountain's beginning to shake and tremble and it's looking at you, trying to intimidate you, you shout the loudest and you praise the loudest because you know you just flushed the devil out of that situation. He may try to manifest. He may try to put pressure and resistance. But listen, like Jesus said, the greatest amount of resistance and pressure will come right before your greatest miracle and breakthrough. So rejoice when it begins to get worse when you just prayed, A lot of Christians won't do this. The the enemy is, is good at getting them back into the natural zone and choosing to walk by sight rather than by faith. Every miracle you'll ever experience, church, in life will always happen in the realm of the spirit before it happens in the physical. And what you believe on the inside, what's going on on the inside of you, determines whether or not you come through that situation victorious more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. Now, in Mark chapter 5, verse 36, Jairus' daughter was dying. And he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you please come to my house? My daughter's about to die. And Jesus obliges to it. And he says, Of course. And so he goes to his house. On his way to the house, though, there's this woman who's got an issue of blood that's been going on for a long time. And she hears about the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that our Christ, our Savior, is doing. And she is determined just to touch the hem of his garment. So she says over and over in the Greek to herself: If I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be made whole. I'll be healed. So she finally presses through the crowd, touches the hem of of Jesus' garment, and she receives her healing. It stops Jesus from going to Jairus' house for just a moment. He looks around because he recognizes that power had gone out of him. Healing had gone out of him. So he wants to know who just received their healing. And he finds this woman who comes trembling because she knows she can't hide herself from from the Savior. And so she finally says, it was me. And he says, oh, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well, has made you whole. She went home victorious that day. At that very moment, Jesus has some people coming to talk to Jairus. And Jesus is listening to this conversation, and they say, don't bother the master anymore. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Jesus hears the conversation, and he looks at the man, the father, and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. Because Jesus understands a doubt and unbelief. And when you have a medical report, you prayed, you're believing for a, med- you know, a miracle turnaround in your health. Or you're, you're believing for some kind of a miracle in your life. And all of a sudden the worst report comes in on the scene. And the process of Jesus on his way to do a great miracle in your life determines on whether you will get that miracle in your life. Doubt and unbelief is what hinders his grace from flowing freely. And grace is not just a theology. His name is Jesus. And stopping Jesus on his way to perform a miracle in your life, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he healed one time, only one time in history, that means he is free to heal everyone. But how many know that not everyone receives his grace for healing? I love uh, Oral Roberts was mentoring several, well, about 20 or so leaders that you and I are well aware of in this country, wonderful men and women of God, mentoring them. And they asked him this question, Oral, have you ever been discouraged at the fact that there are people who come to your massive crusades and they go home without their healing? And he said, yes. He said, it almost stopped me from praying for people. He said, that was the number one reason I almost quit praying for healing is because of that very reason. And he said, when I was contemplating quitting praying for healing for people, he said, the Lord spoke these words to me. And he said, Oral, you may not see everyone healed, but if you quit praying for healing, even the ones that are receiving my healing won't receive my healing. And it snapped him back in the place to realize, listen, not everybody will receive God's grace. And why not? The majority of the reasons has to do with doubt and unbelief. What we feed in life, whether it's doubt and unbelief or we feed our faith, which one we feed is the one that will win. And that's why I want to talk today specifically about the power of unity, because there are times in our life that we are not strong enough in our own strength. And that's why God says, do not forsake the assembling together, especially, in Hebrews it says, especially the closer to the return of Christ coming back to get his bride. Do not forsake the assembling together. Let me tell you, the enemy has done everything he can to try and shut down the church because he knows if he can shut down the assembling of the church, of God's bride, of his Christians, his people, his Christ followers, if he knows he can shut down the assembly, he can stop the strength and the power from flowing. Because when you come together, there is a corporate anointing. He's coming in with his faith. She's coming in with her faith. He's coming in with his faith. She's coming in with her faith. And when you've got a corporate anointing, and the anointing means the yoke-destroying, burden-removing ability that Christ's grace has. So when you say, I can do all things through Christ, you're not just quoting Jesus You're not just saying, you're not saying Jesus' last name. What you are saying, Christ, the anointed one, in his anointing, and that's what Christ means. So it's not Jesus Christ as his last name. Jesus Christ means Jesus, the anointed one, in his anointing. And when that anointing comes into an assembly, and that's why we've had people literally healed miraculously while they're simply just worshiping. We've had people healed during services when we're just simply preaching the Word of God. We've had people healed when they come forward for altar ministry, when someone else's faith is ignited with theirs, and they've been healed. I can tell you signs, wonders, and miracles follow this ministry because we believe that it's possible to him who believes, and that we believe in starving doubt and unbelief and feeding your faith. So the reason why we experience what some churches don't experience is because we're preaching what some churches don't preach. The reason why some churches stop praying for people is because all of a sudden, somebody didn't get healed, and instead of hurting someone's feelings, saying, well... Is there some doubt and unbelief that you're entertaining? Let me tell you, church, being in hospital ministry for years, I can tell you going to hospital ministry somebody time, so many times, this has happened more than once, I can tell you this. They're telling their family, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing for a miracle as they sit there in the hospital bed. I'm believing for a miracle. And the family's like, yeah, you're believing for a miracle. We've got our faith. We're believing for a miracle too. We're going to come through this. And then I sit down with the, the individual and they say, Pastor, I'm just tired. Have you shared that with your family? No, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You should really be honest because it confuses the body of Christ when you're telling them one thing, but in your heart there's something else going on and you just want to quit and throw in the towel. Wow. Right. Churches stop praying for healing, even though Jesus said the church is supposed to do this. They stop praying because... Somebody didn't receive their healing, and they don't want to offend the body of Christ, so they teach maybe salvation, but they don't teach the whole package of what Christ came to give us. They have cheapened the gospel. Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Healing was never intended to be separated from the gospel. It's part of your package. Now, if we had to choose between salvation and healing, well, we'd choose salvation, amen? But we don't have to choose They come together. They're under the same package. And his name is Jesus, who paid the price for all of our sins and all of our sicknesses. And he became poor so that you would be made rich. Church, this isn't just spiritually speaking, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself poor and defeated, you'll remain poor and defeated. If you see what the great price that Jesus came to pay for you, you can live the life and life more abundantly until it overflows that Christ came to give you in John 10.10. And it's not Jesus who causes sickness. It's not Jesus that breaks that bone. It's not Jesus so he can teach you a lesson that he can heal you. That's, right. that's a deception of the pulpit that's been going on for years. People saying God will break your bones just to show you that he can heal your bones. Those kind of parents need to put, be put in the mental ward. And that theology has been taught for years. Where do they find that in the Bible? Jesus makes it clear in John 10.10, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal comes first, because if he can get the truth out of you, then he can kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm a good shepherd. The Lord is thy shepherd, and we shall not want. God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Don't let doubt and unbelief steal what God has come to give you. I don't care what you've learned over the years and what somebody has taught you from the pulpit for years. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, don't believe it. God's word is our final authority. God says that he'll confirm his word with two to three witnesses. If you can't back up your theology with at least two to three witnesses, throw it out. God's word will always be backed up with two to three witnesses. We've got to choose to get under an assembly where it is being taught the truth. And if I was ever to make a mistake and say something goofy, God forbid, but I'm human, I could make a mistake. The reason I give you all these scriptures is to let you know that you don't need to believe what I'm saying, but we are responsible as Christians to be Christ followers, to believe what Christ has said. And when we believe what Christ has done for us, we can have what Christ has come to give us. Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, it reminds us that there's something powerful about the power of unity. And the reason why the devil tries to separate marriages and families is because if he can get you in discord and division, meaning division, not vision, not one vision, but two different visions. If he can get division in your marriage and your families, he can come to steal, kill, and destroy or weaken you. But Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, reminds us that one can chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. It's multiplied by 10 times. That's the reason there's something powerful. The reason why we teach so much on relationships here is because we believe that whether you're married to the doubting Thomas or not, there is somebody here who will set their faith in agreement with you, that will pray with you, that will believe with you, that will set their faith. These altar ministries, they go through training. They don't just come up haphazard. They come in prepared to pray for you every Sunday. So they have their face set because they know that some of you may be married to the doubting Thomas. One who's full of doubt and unbelief. I'll tell you, most of the situations I've seen where people have died premature, one of their spouse, the spouse was in doubt and unbelief. And their doubt and unbelief kept penetrating the faith that that individual is using to try to move the mountain in their life. And they kept doubting. They kept planning their funeral. They kept doing this and they kept doing that. And it just eventually just got to the point where it snuffed out the faith of the person, caved in to believing what that doubt and unbelief was trying to tell them because some spouse was not believing with them. But that's no excuse. We have believers all around us that will stand in the gap with you. They will stand and intervene for you. They'll set their faith in agreement with you. You know, I love the story of Lisa, Joel Osteen's sister, Lisa, who's going to be here in a few weeks. And ladies, if you have not signed up for the ladies' event, please sign up. She is a powerful, dynamic speaker. She's a combination of her dad, who's gone home to be with the Lord. He was a powerful uh, preacher, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. He had signs, wonders, and miracles following his ministry for all the time, duration, that he was here on earth. And then when Joel took over, he's just so kind and sweet and loving. And I've met him in person. He's kinder in person than he is on camera. He really is full of love and uh, just a great, great individual. But listen, I say this with you to understand that Lisa is like a combination of her dad and her brother. She's super kind, but she is a powerful preacher. When the mail bomb went off in her lap and it tried to kill her, should have destroyed her when she opened the mail bomb, literally a mail bomb that was intended to kill her dad. When that bomb went off in her lap and it didn't kill her, she says these words to this day, I may have experienced a bomb, but I am the bomb. <laughs> she is. I'm telling you, dynamite comes with small packages. You don't want to miss this. So Lisa has gone through a lot of adversity and challenges. She was born with a disease that literally should have killed her. She wasn't, she, none of her muscles, no muscles worked. She could have been sucked as a baby. But her mom and dad got into agreement and in faith and believed for a miracle. You know, isn't that what Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 through 20, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there among them. That's why there's so much power in unity. So they believed God. They received their miracle. Lisa lived through that situation, lived through the mail bomb. But she also had situations where she couldn't have children. So she visited infertility treatments and met with the fertility doctors. And for several years, they tried to help her. And after several years, they just said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. She was discouraged, faint-hearted at that moment. But her husband, Kevin, said, Lisa, our hope has never been in man. It's always been in God. And it snapped her right back into faith. And they decided they were going to still believe despite the circumstances and situations. It's one thing to say, Lord, I believe. But when the manifestation of the resistance and the pressure comes with every truckload coming at you full steam, and you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I not only believe, but I still believe you will move heaven and earth. Because that's when it really matters is when the mountains begin to try to intimidate you. When the medical report looks like it just got worse. When the situation looked like it's going to take you out. And you say, Lord, I still believe. And they would do everything. They would use faith, you know, with faith without works is dead. So everything they made decisions for, housing, for example, they bought a house that had extra rooms because they were still believing that they would have children. They found some great scriptures. Lisa meditated a number of great scriptures, for example, in Psalm 113, verse 9. I'm sharing this because there's some women here that are believing for children. God gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen, God says in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hebrews eleven six 6 reminds us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God says in his word, Jesus himself said, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. God is a good God. He is a good shepherd. Despite what the circumstances and situations are going on in this world today, Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he is a shepherd that is a good shepherd to the point where you shall not want and your cup shall overflow. Amen. God is a good God. Don't let the enemy tell you, anything other. Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. And Psalm 112, verse 2, it says their children will be successful everywhere. If you're believing for a child that's living a wayward life, You've got scriptures, church, that you can stand on. So she stood on these scriptures. They made intentional decisions to always incorporate as if they already had children. Buying a house, for example. They went out and bought a piano. Before any children had manifested, they went out and bought a piano because they believed by the Spirit of God that one of their children would love piano playing. And then one day, an advertisement for baby diapers came to their house and Kevin was always believing for twins and always wanting twins and two diapers came and he went to Lisa immediately and said look what God just sent us not the marketing company look what God just sent us we're gonna have twins Lisa today they have two beautiful girls that were twins that are grown and one of them Catherine her name is loves to play the piano they have another little boy as well Let me tell you, God is no respecter of persons. The question is, do you still believe, even when it looks impossible? Because all things are possible to him who believes. Now the question is, why? how long has this been happening to you? How long have you had that situation? Because the question is, have you just accepted it? Have you just decided that it's going to be a part of your life? Because Jesus has come to redeem you from the curse of the law. And anything under the curse you can find in Deuteronomy 28, he has come to redeem you from because of Christ. Now, there's a a few things I want to share with you real quickly before we close. Three types of unbelief that I believe that uh, really, really fake God's people out. One is ignorance, and I like to be nice in the pulpit, so I'll call it lack of knowledge today. (laughs) My people perish because of lack of knowledge. Some of you hardcore people like Kevin, he doesn't mind. Kevin, you're being ignorant. Thank you, Pastor. (laughs) Just call the spade like it is. The other way is disbelief. Disbelief means that you're believing something, but you're not believing the right thing. Like your denomination might have told you that miracles have been done away with. The Holy Spirit doesn't feel you anymore today. That was just for the apostles. And somebody believed that miracles have been done away with. So they believe, but they aren't believing the right thing. So the good thing about that is we have like a dry erase board right in here. All we have to do is wipe it off and put in the Word of God. That's why Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't just believe what the world is saying, but be renewed through the power. Be transformed through the power of the renewing of the mind through the Word of God. One person, a leader from his own nation, said these words. He said, Americans are the most gullible people on the face of this earth. And he said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, here in our country, if something comes out in the news, in the papers, or on TV, we're always skeptical of what they're saying. But Americans, they seem to just believe everything that's said. And they go to acting on whatever is said on the news. He said they don't understand that they're only showing partial picture, not even the full truth. They're trying to oftentimes sell the bad news because pro- it's been proven. News anchors, people will tell you this, that they're not paid to tell you the good news, they're paid to tell you the bad news. Because it's the bad news that people are willing to pay for. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Even people who work for the news company will tell you and be honest about it. That people don't want to hear the good news. They don't want to hear the testimonies, the signs, the wonders, and miracles. They don't want to hear all that. They want to hear the bad news, what's going on. That's what they're willing to pay for, so that's what the bad news is for. Last but not least, there is a natural unbelief. A natural unbelief is when the situation, this is what we're talking about today, if the situation gets worse. That's what natural unbelief does, is it tries to get you back into the natural sense again, Believing that what you just did, that prayer that you just prayed, didn't work. That's what natural unbelief. So again, ignorance, disbelief, natural unbelief are all forms of the enemy, tactics of the enemy that try to get you into unbelief and doubt, to get you back into the natural zone so he can whip you every single time. But thank God. Say thank God. Thank God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Feelings are not bad, church. They just have to be trained. If we let our emotions lead us all around, emotions, you take the E off emotions, you got what? Motions. And emotions will always lead you all over the place. Today you're up, tomorrow you're down. And if you allow your emotions to lead you around, you will have a terrible marriage and family. You've got to learn to lead your emotions. And they will eventually follow. Because feelings, emotions are not bad. You just have to train them. Again, people quit praying. They, keep seeking, they quit pursuing God. They quit going to church because of unbelief and doubt. In Romans chapter 4, verse 19 through 20, when Abraham was given this word that he was going to have children, at an old age beyond Sarah's childbearing years, The Bible says, Abraham considered not his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. One translation says, he was strengthened in faith as he praised God. One of the most powerful weapons that Amy and I share in unity, and that's why we will not tolerate discord or strife in our marriage. We will not let the sun go down on our wrath. We will not tolerate it in our life or in our marriage or in our family. We just don't accept strife, period. Because we know if the enemy can get us out of vision and get us into division, he will limit us from the power that we actually have in our marriage. That One can chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. So we choose to lead our emotions, even though our emotions would like to lead us around. It's getting really quiet today. Did this happen to someone today? Oh, boy. I love your openness, confessions. (laughs) (laughs) I just love you all. Love your transparency. The most powerful weapon that we have that Amy and I have uh, really discovered over the years is when we praise God over his word and what his word says, despite the circumstances and situations. So when the situation begins to look more resistant, more pressures coming on us, this is where we begin to shout all the more and praise all the more. And we walk around our kitchen island or we walk around this church or we walk around our living room and we will start saying, God, you said, that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Lord, God, you said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, you said that I will be the lender and not the borrower. Blessed, coming in, blessed, good out, bless the city, bless the country. Everything I put in my hands, you will prosper and succeed. God, you said to old no man anything but to love one another. God, you said that by your stripes I'm healed. And Lord, I just want to praise you because I believe it and I still believe it. When you bring it back to God in his word which is your final authority, it will always trump the situation that's going on in your life. I don't care if it's a medical report. I don't care if it's a financial report. I don't care if it's a marital relationship challenge. When you take God's word and you begin to use it as a weapon, as a sword of the spirit as it is, and you begin to praise God at his word, mirroring his word, I'm telling you, you become a powerful force in the kingdom of God. And when, listen, the enemy's goal is to isolate, Proverbs talks about isolation being stupid, being foolish. I'm just taking Proverbs. Full of wisdom. The reason for that is because if he can separate the flock, the sheep, who does the devil, who's the wolf go after, the one that's been isolated? Now you just become weakened, but when you surround yourself, together we're better, together we're stronger, together we're going to go further. That's why Christ needs his church assembling, especially in these last days. He needs the church coming together, not just for a good message, so we can be equipped as saints, and we can go out and do what God says we can do in these last days, that the latter days of his church will be better than the former days of his church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, I'm going to go through this real quickly. The natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings, and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd, and illogical to him, and he is incapable of understanding them. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 reminds us that, Faith is what overcomes this world. The enemy knows that. And that's why he's been good at getting people into doubt and unbelief, even God's people. We've got to counter it. And we've got to know that we're not alone, church. You're not alone. Say to your neighbor, you're not alone. Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us that you are surrounded with the grandstands of heaven. you got clouds of witnesses that are saying, listen, we've run our race. It's your turn to run your race. Now, you can do it. There are people in heaven cheering you on today, saying you've got this. You can do this. We did it in our generation. It's your turn. You can do this. And if I'll tell you what, you may be going through some problems with your employer. But Daniel, if he could come out of the grandstands, he would come to you today and he'd say, listen, they tried to take me out. They tried to convince me to stop praying. They tried to convince me that I needed to pray to our king instead of to our king of kings, and they threw me into the lion's den. But let me tell you, God was with me. He shut the lion's mouth, and he not only delivered me from the lion's den, but he brought me out better off than the situation was before. I had the situation that he promoted. God promoted me. Or if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could come out of the grandstands, they would say to you, listen, you're not alone. We're cheering you on. When they told us, listen, you've got to bow down and worship this idol. You have to worship this. Not God. You have to worship this idol. And we refused to bow our knee. We refused to compromise. And as a result, we are thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. But let me tell you, the fourth man appeared, who appeared to be the son of God. He was with us in the storm. He was with us in the fire. And he delivered us from that fire. And that we don't even have a scent of smoke. We came out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, we came out better off than we were before. the, The king promoted us. That is the king of kings. Or if Moses, if Moses could come out of the grandstands, he would say, listen, I know you've messed up. I've messed up. I murdered someone. But the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God still used me. He still used me to bring deliverance to Israel from the bondage of the Egyptians. God's calling is irrevocable on your life. God will still use you no matter how big the mess is. God has got a message still to work through your life. Or if Abraham and Sarah could come out of the grandstands, they would say, listen, you may have these God-given dreams and it's not impossible because with God, all things are possible. You may be believing for that baby. You may be believing for that spouse. You may be believing for a turnaround in your health. You may be believing for a financial miracle. You may be believing it. Listen, nothing is too big and nothing is too small for our creator of the universe. And we're cheering you on. We ran our race and you too can run your race. As you seek his face, you will experience his grace. I'll close with this story and then I've got something I want to share with you real quickly that the Lord said to me this morning. We started with this message that I shared with you on Grace Unhindered last week and I talked about how we believed God to go to Oral Roberts University debt-free and how God brought us through. The one thing we didn't share last weekend is that when we arrived, if I would finished all my education in Minnesota, it would have been two years. When I arrived to Oral Roberts University, all their theology department was telling us, oh no. It'll be at least three to three and a half years here. Yet we believed God was the one that was the one telling us to go there. But even though Amy and I, we would build each other up and strengthen each other, that's a power of marriage, is that sometimes there's days where I'm down and Amy's up and she picks me up, encourages me. And then there's days where she's down and I can encourage her and pick her up. But this time we were both down. We felt like running. We felt like we had to put our tail between our legs and run home to Minnesota. But we knew the power of unity, and we knew that there was somebody that we could call upon. And we asked the Lord, and the Lord put it on our heart, to call Aunt Coco, Amy's aunt from California, who is a major prayer intercessor. And we said, Aunt Coco, this is a situation. This is circumstances. This is what's going on. And she laughed. And she said, let's take some time and pray. Nothing is too big for our God. And as she started praying, she started to see us going to meet with the head of the department. So she shared these words of wisdom with us. And she said, they may have told you no, but be persistent. Press on. Go to the top of your department and meet with him. So we called the next day and said, can we meet with the Dean of, Theolo- Dean of Theology tomorrow? And they said, yes, absolutely. So we met with him. Super nice guy. And the grace of God was all over him. And he said, oh, that's nothing. I can knock these classes out. I can knock that out. Yep, yeah, it'll be two years here as well. Just like that. But let me tell you, there are times in our marriages, even in our marriage, that we don't feel strong enough. And that's where we need each other still. We need the church. You know, sometimes people will say, well, me and my husband, me and my wife or whatever, you know, we could have church at home. There are going to be times where you need the anointing, the corporate anointing to come together that will snuff out that doubt and unbelief and set their faith in agreement so you can receive your miracle. I'm reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and right now, this morning, I finished the book of Mark, and I came across the story after Jesus had rose from the dead, and he's talking to disciples, and he actually rebukes his disciples in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. He rebukes his disciples, and he says these words, he rebuked them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe the people, the disciples, who had already seen him. The people who had already been eyewitnesses of seeing Jesus' resurrection. And I said, Lord, why do people's hearts become hardened? Why do people's hearts, I understand sin callous is the heart, I get that. But why do people turn to sin? Why do people turn to drugs and alcohol and, and pornography or whatever? Why is it that people turn to these addictions of this world? Why? I like to know the why. Anybody else there that are like me, you want to know the why? Why do people do what they do? I like to know the psychological reason why people are looking for love in all the wrong places instead of running to our Savior, who's the only one that can give us agape love. And he said these words to me. It's because of disappointment. My disciples, even though I told them that I would die on the cross and I would be resurrected three days later, it didn't turn in the expectation that they thought. They thought I should reign and rule like the kings on the earth. And so when it looked like a turn of events, even though I told them this is what's going to happen, it didn't turn out the way they thought it should happen. And because of that disappointment set forth in their hearts, they became full of doubt and unbelief in the hardness of the heart because they were disappointed. And today God is saying to his people that some of you have been disappointed. Maybe a marriage didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Maybe you went through an unwanted divorce. Maybe you were praying for somebody to receive a miracle, healing in their body, but they didn't get it. Hardness of heart, unbelief starts because of disappointment. The reason people forsake the assembling together, the reason why people stop pursuing God, the reason why people stop praying, the the reason why people... Stop serving Jesus Christ is because of disappointment something didn't turn out the way they thought it should but let me tell you no matter what happens because I understand that man has free will here on earth no matter what that spouse chooses no matter what that situation is going on it does not change the fact that Jesus is a good God And he is still willing to work even what the enemy intends for evil. He's willing to work together for your good. As long as you don't entertain doubt and unbelief and you stay in faith, all things are possible to him who believes. So I want to reassure you, church. I know many of you have been through disappointments, the turn of time, things didn't happen. You, your prayers, you felt like your prayers weren't answered. That person died premature. That person, that parent went through uh, an unwanted divorce. You didn't want it. You were praying that they wouldn't divorce, but they still divorced. Man has free will. God's not gonna control us like robots. He gives us a free will to choose to have a relationship and to follow him in his word. No matter what happens to you in this lifetime here on earth, God is still a good God. And no matter what you're being told by your employers, no matter what somebody is saying, you do this or else, your job is eliminated. It does not change the fact that we serve an amazing God and that this is going to be a year of exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. If you will stay in faith and feed your faith and starve the doubt and unbelief, God will bring you through this situation. He will bring you through this season better off than when you first encountered it. If you receive this today, will you say amen? Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we thank you so much for your sweet presence and your powerful word that goes forth into your people's lives today. And we just acknowledge that despite what's going on in the world today, that the latter days of your church will be better than the former days. And so we just acknowledge that your word is good all the time and it doesn't change the promises of God. There'll always be yes and amen according to your word. Despite the circumstances, despite the medical report, despite whatever's going on in our life, Lord, we know that you're always going to work together for our good, what the enemy intends for evil, and that you're going to work all things together for our good, for those who love you. And Lord, that's the qualification. Do we love you? And today we acknowledge we love you, Lord. We appreciate you. Forgive us of the doubt and the unbelief, the disappointments when we should have known. You're a good God. Even when things come against us, you're still good. That we can count it all joy, knowing that you're going to bring us through the situation better off than when the situation started. So today, Lord, we let go of the disappointments. We let go of the doubt and unbelief. And we choose to stand in faith. In Jesus' name. Now, just a moment longer. Maybe you're here today. Someone invited you to church. But you're here in person and you're or watching online and you're saying, Pastor, I haven't accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you know deep down in your heart you're not following Christ the way that you could or should. Maybe because of disappointment. Maybe you've been through some things, unwanted divorce or situations, and you haven't been pursuing God or reading his word like you used to because you were disappointed. But this doesn't change the fact that God still loves you and he's still good. So if you're at a place where you know in your heart that you've let disappointment get in and, and you haven't been pursuing God the way that you could or should. and today you're saying, I want to get back into a relationship with God. I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, all over this auditorium, if you've never accepted Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, if that's you, would you slip up your hands all over this room just acknowledging, I need to receive Jesus Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Hands are going up all over this place. Any others who say, Pastor, pray for me too. I need to receive Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Any others you're saying, Pastor, pray for me too. Just a moment longer. Anyone else? Okay, this is where the Spirit of God, the grace of God is moving. This is what he loves. It's when even when one turns their heart to God, the Bible says the angels begin to rejoice and celebrate in heaven. So today we're going to take a moment. We're going to call on the name of the Lord with you. In Romans ten thirteen it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to do this together as the body of Christ. We're going to join you in this prayer, and we're going to call on his name. And those that are watching online, we want to encourage you. Pray this prayer with us. We believe God is going to do a miracle in your life, and that there is no distance by the Spirit. No matter what nation you're in, no matter what state you're in, no matter what city you're in, God right now cares about you, and he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. So would you call on the name of the Lord with us and pray this prayer out loud wherever you're at. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus. Jesus come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Rejoice with the angels, church. Rejoice with the angels. God bless you. You've been a wonderful congregation. Thank you.